When I met Fran Bowman, it's going on 15 years now, I was interviewing her for a profile for the magazine called Mountain Life, based out of Southern Georgian Bay in Ontario. Fran was a wood sculptor who takes giant trunks of trees and turns them into feminist iconography. Over coffee, I asked her better artistic influences, feminism, and life. I was completely captivated by her ideas on men and women, on power, sexuality. I had never talked to someone with such strong opinions on what it meant to be a woman. Hours later, we've moved from drinking coffee to drinking wine at this point, and I just became so amazed by her thoughtfulness, honesty, and her bravery. She had traveled to Egypt alone when she was 19. She lived alone with her sister in the woods now of Collingwood, near Collingwood. She had created art steeped in philosophical and intellectual culture and history that just amazed me. In recent years, after Fran's body began to feel the strain of carving, Franny turned her creativity towards theater, especially stand-up comedy. Fran Bauman created Franny Wisp and her washboard. As a solo, solo female comedian, she gets on stage with her washboard and strums out some tunes while recounting some insane dating and sexuality moments. This is her website description of what she does. Franny Wisp is a funny, self-deprecating response to a society that is preoccupied with youth, beauty, success, and romantic relationships. Her satire and wit are expressed musically through song, spoken word, wicked washboard rhythms, and electric kick drum. To laugh at her misgivings and insecurities allows us to be kinder and gentler with ourselves. That's what Franny Wisp and her washboard is all about. She creates an experience that connects us in a celebratory and often poignant way. When I saw her show in Collingwood a few years ago, the first time, there is absolutely nothing off the table with this woman. She talks about dry, dried up vages, drooping boobs. Liz Scoot, an artistic director for the Mariposa Folk Festival, says of Franny, Franny leaps right over the boundaries for a brilliant, intense and personal show, hilarious in its raw, edgy storytelling. Well said, Liz. This is an excerpt of our conversation about breaking down some of those sexual boundaries and heading into our middle-aged years that we just don't give a fuck anymore. Enjoy! Who is Fran? Who is is Fran? Fran is... um... And is the observer, observer of life, observer of self, um, an evolution of that from difficulties in childhood, difficulties in fitting in, difficulty in feeling secure on the planet. Um, and as such, you become an observer of all things around you. And you and I have become somewhat hyper vigilant about that. Now, admittedly, my segue into art, and I think I mentioned this to you before, was through a very strange occurrence. I had no interest in art whatsoever or creative, and I didn't think I was a creative soul until a, a random stranger came into my life to tell me he held my hands one day. It's a very long story, which I won't get into, but um, 
we did meet on a weekly basis. He would hold my hands and he would tell me things about me that he thought I needed to know. And one of those things was telling me that I was a sculptor and I was baffled and bewildered. I said, that can't be true. And um, since he used to be a professor at OCAD, he said, I'm going to sign you up and you'll see that what I'm telling you is true. So I went in and there I was with my clay and the nude model. And what do you know? I became a sculptor. And so I gravitated towards wood because I grew up in an environment um, like in the country and always appreciated. Yeah, I always appreciated just being in nature. Um, now, Franny, Franny Wisp, like, so you said, oh, you're not sculpting anymore. I actually have started sculpting again. I am working on a project called the Flying Bulbas. So they are beautiful um, out of now a type of clay. So all different kinds of bulbas. Um, I was actually bewildered in doing my research. I didn't really know how different they all are. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> well actually that's a good question why so before we get into too deep into the vulva why why was women uh why was uh femininity sexuality a muse i think that in my observation like i said in my observation of life and being on in a patriarchy so, yes, I have all of these feelings um, of what it means to be female or be a woman. And oftentimes I'm being met with opposition in terms of expression. Um, no, that's not womanly. No, that's not polite. No, you're too loud. You're too this. You're too that. You're too, you know, so I felt a lot of like antagonism almost in terms of self-expression as being a woman and genuinely and authentically trying to express my sexuality and, and my humor, even my humor, like even with this show, right. That I do uh, the comedy sh musical act, you know, like I know that um, sure part bits of it are potentially if offensive or I certainly push the envelope, but it's really, really been interesting for me as a 50 some year old woman now Um to be met with such um, such joy and such relief by my audiences. So in that sense, I feel like I've come a long, long way from when I was in my 20s and I was feeling a lot of opposition um, in my self-expression to now where strangely, I mean, and maybe it's just an age thing. I don't know what my how my performance would resonate in front of an audience of 20-year-olds. Like, I have no idea how that would land and I'd be curious. <laughs> to perform and my audiences are older for sure not to say that there hasn't been a sprinkling of of younger people and certainly even like in my last show I did have what I think she was 22 and she was so relieved and she is so happy that I was just speaking truth yeah without any you know without any regard for judgment um mm. and I think and I think uh, as a woman in my 50s, it's that piece that I've always been up against is like my own fear, right? My own fear of being judged, like with my art, with my comedy act, with my writing, with my performance pieces. They're always, it's always, I always push myself just a little bit harder 
uh, to overcome that that fear of not fitting in. And I, and I think that's definitely me trying to also resolve my childhood, right, of not feeling like I was a part of, always feeling like I was on the outside, on the periphery, on the fringe of things. Uh, couldn't understand why how other people seemed so secure in the world. <laughs> I'm like, what's that magic? Uh, I don't have it. So I've like, I've kind of accepted that about myself too, as an artist. No, I don't have it. I don't know if I'll ever feel secure on the planet. I mean, I certainly work hard at it in terms of my meditation and my yoga and my mindfulness and, and all that practice in terms of me trying to understand my own psychology and my own trauma. Um, but yeah, it has been really welcoming to see my Franny Wiss show really land with people and having a voice to be able to express my vulnerabilities um my my joy about sex my adventurous nature right my embarrassment about dating like like all of it just putting it all on the table it's, it's felt really really great so yeah and now these flying vulvas the flying vulva show um again it, it comes into like the idea of freedom, liberation, right? The power, the power of um, female sexuality. Um, you know, it's it's yeah. interesting because there is a, a Hawaiian myth. I, I won't go into the finer details of this myth, but it did really inspire me. Um, so in the myth, there's this hog man. And he tries to hide his piggish nature when he falls in love with this goddess woman named Peely. And she can see right through it. She can see that he's like right beneath that the surface. He's a he's a hog. He's a pig. He's piggish, right? Um, but he won't take no for an answer. And he just continuously <laughs> pursues her and tries to trick her and manipulate her. Um, and until finally he becomes an aggressor. And he captures her and she screams so loud that her scream echoes through the valleys and the mountains and reaches her sister, Capo or Capo. And uh, Capo can hear what the scream means, that her sister is in danger from this hog man. And so what she does is she takes her vulva off and she throws it into the sky. <laughs> And the vulva gets wings and flies <laughs> to Hogman, who is in the process of, you know, assaulting her sister. Until the, this juicy, beautiful flying vulva is right above him. And he can't resist. Like he now his gaze has turned to the juicy flying vulva. And he wants that more than he wants this woman. And so she like flies off and the hog man starts chasing her. <laughs> and then she, she slid in, in the rush and madness to get away. She slams into the side of a cliff in Hawaii and her imprint, the imprint of her vagina or her vulva lands on the side of that mountain, but she's able to fly away. Yeah. But because hog man is like half blind, he thinks that imprint is her is the vulva so he starts to snort and huff and puff and start digging after this vulva on the side of the mountain until it creates the shape of a vulva and that's and so the in hawaii there is the shape of a vulva huge it's massive in this island and that's the story that goes with it anyway what i loved about this story of course is again the power 
of like female sexuality and not only in terms of you know um being a lure uh, but also to to save her sister right like i found that so fascinating that um she used her sexuality and and her higher really in a sense higher self to go and save her sister and and i was thinking about all the flying vulvas in my life you included um who have come come to me in times of of upset and stress and when i'm not well right and my flying vulvas appear and um yeah they come for me i have to go see that i absolutely have to go see the flying vulva <laughs> you do so much of what you say resonate. I'm copying all these things down because it's, I felt it too. I felt different growing up and I wonder, and what I think of you, I think of Ned showed me a picture, your grad date showed me a picture of you. And I think you were wearing pink, but you were wearing, your hair was just so short and like spiky and weird. And I'm like, how is that even possible in a rural community to be different mm -hmm. and to go to the prom with someone that's a friend and not a boyfriend? I mean, right there, I'm like, the reason why you probably didn't feel secure is, is like me, you weren't following a script. And there is a very rigid script that women should follow to be good girls to be girls that aren't cast in judgment that will not rock the boat all those stupid cliches but but i find every time you step off that boat and you create a, like a little ripple in the water that ripple just just makes you that much more different so were you stepping off the boat from whenever you <laughs> Whenever you got the, the knew that you could swim and that you had this difference in power, um, did you knew, know it was going to be a hard ride or you, you were just doing it to be you, right? I don't know what questions in there, but. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. Um, what happened is I, I was quite a silent child. So I was very silent until about, so in grade eight, um, so in Meaford, there was no diversity. It was primarily white. Yep. Um, so in grade eight, a black girl moved into town. In grade, yeah, grade seven or end of grade seven. And um, and I was like, wow, okay, that's got to be rough. <laughs> um, but I, you know, even though I'm like so polar opposite, I'm white, blonde hair, blue eyed, right? Um, but still there was something in me that resonated with her because clearly she visually obviously did not fit in with the rest of us. Um, I didn't fit in for a whole bunch of internal reasons, um, mm. obviously too, because I grew up on a poor farm. So like the socioeconomic piece also didn't help me. I befriended her and even though we're we are such young girls we decided that summer before going into high school we made a pact with one another um that we wouldn't care about what anyone thought 
and we were not going to follow any of the popularity or any of the cliques or any of the groups that we were going to be a part of everyone's group and we were going to be inclusive of everyone no matter what and so we did we did, did you have a name for the pact no or it was just the pact oh my god no we just oh decided we were not going to give a shit and that was hard work to not yeah. give a shit it was it was hard work to not give a shit i mean because obviously teenagehood high school there was a lot of pressure um you know and it was like it, and it was hurtful for sure because again yeah. mel like you like i was very expressive and yeah so i would read on the bathroom wall or on my desktop next time i went into class friends a slut friends a whore friends you know and I would be thinking, what, where the hell is this even coming from? Just because I am expressing myself with my clothes, right? And my ability like to dance and to move and to be, all of a sudden equates to me being a whore. Um, it wasn't yeah. even like I was sexual at that point, right? Like I wasn't even sexual at that point. So it oh. was... Women and was it other women or was it the guys that were, it was both? I, I don't know who was writing these things. Uh, well, obviously in the women's bathroom, it would have been another woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suspect, you know, I don't want to like assume, but I suspect it probably was other women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I recently wrote about, I went to, went and had dinner with a high school bully in Halifax Whoa. and it was about a guy. I was younger. We hadn't even spoken, not even spoken. And she had a hate on for me. And I, I, I was still a virgin at the time. And then I, when I, when I thought about, so this was in grade 10, when I thought back, I had been bullied almost every single, every five years, sort of constantly from other women. And whether is I wore my weird, my mom's clothes to school. Um, I dated a friend's boyfriend after they'd broken up. I don't remember if it was a month or like, this was in grade nine. They didn't talk to me from grade nine to grade. They still probably would cross the street if they saw me. And I'm like, what, what is this? You know? And so, yeah, the minute you're different. Um, I, and again, it, it, guys, it could come from them, but what I, everything I've been reading, women are just so vicious and they know if they call you a slut, that that's probably the worst thing that they could sling at you. You know, to be a slut is to be the worst thing that you could possibly be. And, uh, and, you know, when circling back to what you just said about sexuality is power they're 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 taking the most powerful thing we have it's basically our identity and smacking us with it and it's yeah it, it's um i don't know i and and that segues into do you think it's any better than what it used to be i mean we can't physically go back to high school but i i think we have to i mean but this is just my opinion. Um, we don't have to do anything. I think it's helpful to try to always see th see things through a patriarchal lens, 
Now, both you and I definitely grew up in a strong patriarchy. We had huge patriarchal influences. And I even took like a survey online thinking I was just going to kill it, proving what a feminist I was. And anyway, shock of a lifetime. No, I am totally a victim of patriarchy. And my thinking, how I view the world is through a patriarchal lens. Ouch. Ouch, all this work I do in terms of, oh, my show and all my writing and all my artwork, <laughs> it's still, I still think through how a man would want to perceive me, how a man would look at it this way, how a man would perceive that object or that color or that thing or that job. Like it did sort of frighten me in terms of the insidiousness of it. I wasn't a feminist in any way before um, because. I didn't value women. I just kind of saw them as bullies. I kind of saw them as competition. I saw them as weaker because I saw my mom after the divorce as weak. You know, she was the emotional one. She financially didn't do as well. My, my dad flourished. He got a new job. He married really quickly. She had this sexual awakening. So I saw her as like, in the throes of emotion and sex that she, and she wasn't reliable. So I just thought, and then, so as a physical person, I didn't also know other mentors who like to go hiking or travel alone. So then I automatically gravitated towards men because those are the only ones at the time, not now, but at the time that were doing what I wanted to do. So I didn't have time for women. I, I would always have a single friend here and there, but I, I just saw guys as stronger and I wanted to be part of that. And of course you would see them that way because they ruled the world. So I don't want to be on the losing team. <laughs> Who wants to fucking be in the losing team? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, so, for sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. So, what response, like, so even with the art, you you know you're doing Frenny Wisp, which is uh you know let's talk about Frenny Wisp because that emerged uh, as a need to tell these stories and the stories that we don't often hear about the reality of a single woman with no husband with no babies. Um, talk about getting that message out through Frenny. Well, again, um, as a woman, as a female, when I feel like I'm not allowed to be or to take up space, um, it inspired me to take up space because it's like, well, my these stories matter too. Um, yes, and I'm an anomaly. I get that. Never married, never kids. You know, um, talking about dating at this age in my 40s and 50s um talking about taboo subjects etc whole bunch of f-bombs everywhere um but i do feel again like it did surprise me mel because even though my i'm an anomaly what i was saying like i said early seemed to resonate with people there was a mm -hmm. relief like people were really happy and they would all and men too 
men were also relieved. Oh my God. I like, I had no idea women feel this felt this way. I had no idea that, <laughs> that women had these, in, these types of insecurities or these types of thoughts. And so I think I was just like, you know, taking off this layer that we all, you know, are preoccupied in protecting ourselves, right? And pretending we're all that. And just taking mm. that off and letting people see, yeah, no, we're all pretty damn insecure. Um, we're, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable creatures. And, and, and I think because I, my critique of patriarchy and my critique of um you know like female sexuality not being accepted the fact that i do that through humor is safe for people or safer mm -hmm. let's say it's a lot safer like if instead i was going up there and doing a ted talk right about patriarchy um I don't know <laughs> i don't think it would have the same effect i don't think people would feel you know, as, as safe or comfortable. I mean, laughing at my own foibles and my own insecurities and etc. Um, and poking and that whole self self deprecation piece, which I understand too is a fine line, right? Like I do, yeah. you know, having, I don't know if you're aware of Hannah Gadsby, but she did that great, um, one woman show too. And she too was big on self deprecation and, and she admitted too that it's a fine line, right? Because it is a form of self-aggression. Um, so yeah, so I grapple with that sometimes too. Yeah, it's like how much do I want to really throw myself under the bus <laughs> before it gets too much? I don't know. Well, yeah. so far it's fine. So far I'm fine with it. But it's it's certainly you know something I I think about now. It's like um, yeah, it's funny shit. Absolutely, it's funny shit. But I'm still throwing myself under the bus. Yeah. Well, vulnerable. Uh, yeah, I, I keep, you know, huge self-doubt about this book. And then, you know, Paul, I got through it. And then Paul's like, well, the main thing is that you didn't, you know, that you haven't given up. And, and I'm like holding on to like, a, I guess, uh, Trailer Park Boys uh, Bubbles would say, what's a shit rope? And a shit rope is basically a rope covered in shit and you're trying to hold on and the shit rope slipping and slipping from your fingers so I feel like it's a shit rope writing a, a memoir about your sexuality sometimes as it would be to do a one-woman show because yeah I'm throwing myself under the bus all the time I'm exposing cringeworthy reactions to you know things like staying in a relationship because it was secure and it was nice being taken care of financially for a while. And like to admit that now I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, but that was, I wanted that. I, I almost felt like it was like payback for having shitty twenties and thirties. I was just like, Oh, I deserve this. I want this now, you know? And the, the me now wouldn't go for it, but um, I, I, I feel like, you you just realize like I don't have to constantly self it is what it is you know um and you understand why women make decisions that they do when you understand their backstory so when I met my bully that was the same thing I'm like well what caused her to do what she did 
And then, of course, she revealed sexual assault in there and tons of awful stories about um, what she had to go through. And then all of a sudden, my judgment softens. And I'm like, of course. And then it happened to our mothers, you know, so I could hold on to the the grudge against mom. But then I'm like, her story is so hard, so hard that and then also added to the fact that she in that era even in the 80s didn't talk about anything you know she didn't talk about anything and she wasn't encouraged to talk about anything and we're we're being encouraged to talk now but you know when we say these things that have happened to us and they come out they're a lot easier to take when they're jokey or self-deprecating because if you weren't laughing at it for any you'd be crying in a ball <laughs> you know scratching your head rocking back and because <laughs> it is i wouldn't it's... be leaving us <laughs> there's not enough drugs on the planet you know like you just sometimes yeah. you have to let it go and it was funny during my conversation with the bully she told me that we fought in the bathroom and I, I said to her, oh, my God, Kendra, I don't even remember that. I honestly don't remember that. Wow. And I think I think our brain, as you know, puts things away and blocks them so that we can keep going. Absolutely. It's complete self. It's like if we thought about people that like if I thought about my mother's death all the time, I'd be again in the corner scratching my head like. It's too much to laugh about it. That's what I love about Franny Wisp is that you can laugh about it because yes, it's it really fucked up. So fucked up. <laughs> so fucked up. You can't make this shit up. I know. Like my life, it's true. All of it. <laughs> it's not. It's absolutely oh, oh, yes. yeah. cringeworthy yeah. nuts. Yeah. And then we also have to be forgiving that when we take two steps forward and we take one back, that it's okay because we're never going to be, you know, I've had older women that say to me, Melanie, what you're going through is just life. (laughs) And I'm like, I know, but don't you ever get to a point where you kind of feel a little more settled and they're like, well, yeah. And then sometimes no. So you know, I love um, uh, I love listening to Dan Savage, Savage Love, and Alster Esther Perel as well, because they're all oh yeah, she's like she's sitting on my shoulder like twenty four seven. But they're all about there is no it's there's not going to be an easy no uncomplicated answer. You know, and. I think sometimes, especially when we were programmed with all the expectations and uh, the movies and the stories of how we should be living our lives, especially as an artist, is that it's not so A to B. There's so many A to Zs to Ns to Os. It's crazy. And... To choose that route, I, I don't think that we would yeah. say we chose it. It chose us, right? When people say, what else could you do, Melanie? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I can't do anything else. <laughs> there's, 
there is nothing else I can do. So I am stuck with this. And now I'm 50, so I can't career change. <laughs> um, but to, to sort of round it off, well, to I've cap learned, it off. I mean, just to sort of connect to what you What are the saying, positive um, messages that you... Build on that, I guess. Like, so it comes from the feedback from the show. Really to see that... What have you learned people, and what are you going people. forward with? Um, we're all pretty lost and, and we're all pretty fucked up at the end of the day. Some of us more so than others, for sure. Um, but I think in, <laughs> in my, you know, in my whole, I guess, trajectory of feminism, of course, I am female and I am a woman. And so I do experience the world not in an equal way. Um, and so I still resonate with women and other women and other women's stories. And that's where I really want to place my energy and my intelligence and my wisdom mm -hmm. um, is to give voice and to create space and to take up space um, for our voices, for our experiences, um, because I still know that patriarchy dominates our psyches and our storytelling and our lens and our sexuality. Um, and until that it reaches a balance, and I do believe that one day it will, mm -hmm. I do believe that one day we will no longer be living in a patriarchy and we can finally put that term to bed. Uh, maybe not my lifetime <laughs> rah rah I hope so <laughs> I forget that this is a podcast now I'm seeing my physical movements anyway <laughs> you do so yes um, that would be a lovely thing and so for sure I will continue to take up space with my comedy and my satire um, about what my experience is now as a 50-year-old woman and a 50-year-old woman in perimenopause and then, you know, and then menopause and then past that. Like, I think, and especially because we, we obviously live in an ageist uh, society as well. I know. Right? And, and so I, and I asked you about the age a thing. Woman, um, a 60-year-old woman or a 60-year-old woman and even a 70-year-old woman. I, I feel I mean, like could be a whole podcast on its own women over 50. My last interview right? was well, with a woman. To, I, I already we said, discussed well, who really wants to menopause and libido. And she really just... Well, yeah, I really liked how she said you lose your absolutely shine because your sexuality is yeah, energy, it's dancing, it it's expression, it's like your, it it's your energy, energy to do things. And uh, he's like, well, you know, and you when last you physically feel show and run down, like, no, tired, no, no. Like, irritable, that, that's way past my bedtime, actually I'll go do first. those things. And then he's like, you well, know, it physically no way. becomes when you're up there a on chore. Stage, you're not gonna feel tired I, I, I don't even I know said, where to begin. I just, I just when feel like I it's every day show, I'm going, okay, and it's like, do okay, this because this is going to make you feel better. Set, even if you're tired, like, you know, push through this. Even though I'm you woke up at of, four, not had a I'm couple not sweats off, in there. Okay, <laughs> like, about all of the like, oh, the even though is loving me right now, keep I'm, moving. So I'm dreaming. So about, what keeps I'm like, you okay, moving? Only like two more songs, yeah. and I'm in bed, man. Yeah, I can do this. Sheer discipline, <laughs> right? And he's like, for real, and I'm like, yeah, that's for real. I'm not doing. 
Yeah. It's not an adrenaline thing anymore. It's, it is theater. Like I'm an actor, right? I'm an actor. When I get on the stage, I'm giving it hard, right? For my audience. I'm a big believer in that. Oh exchange. my gosh. I do not all this work for you. You've paid money to see me and I'm going to give you the best that I can give you. Um, and, and I'll do that every single time. Like I will, I'm a perfectionist that way for sure. Um, I'll rise yeah. to the occasion yeah. every time. And it, and it is discipline. Yeah. Like you say, um, right now I know it's difficult, right. With my hormones going shit crazy. And sometimes I feel like, wow, somebody just, you know, injected yeah. a poison serum into me. <laughs> I scary. Yep. Um, um, and then I have to like with my mindfulness and meditation, yep. just go, okay, yes, that's how you're feeling. That feeling will pass. That is not your identity. That is not your core being. That is not your higher self. It's a bunch of shit running through your, your body, a bunch of chemicals, a bunch of cuckoo brain shit going on. Um, and I can't attach myself to it. It's hard not to attach. It's hard not to freak out and go, wow, is this who I've become? This like mental case, right? <laughs> like, yep. well, that's sad. Yeah. So no, I've learned to not attach. And, you know, and I, I've had role models in this area. Like there, there's a whole segment of women here in their 60s, 70s and 80s who are such powerhouses in terms of the difference they're creating in these communities and what they're doing, you know, for impoverished people, for for equality, for sickness, for cancer, for AIDS, for other countries, <laughs> fundraising. Like it's, they are on fire. Um, like they are the bedrock. They're the backbone of these communities. And so I know my time is coming where I'll land there with them. Right now, I do know that this is a time of transformation, right? And it's hard as hell because I know I'm changing. I, I liken it to almost a death and that sounds dramatic but it's it's a morning of yeah. what you were you know it's a morning like I equate my a lot of my self-worth and identity to my bicycle and I can't ride as hard I can't I feel it I feel it and I'm saddened by it but like you said it's this transformation and uh, to me, it's it's you have to mourn it and then get on and know that it's going to be it's something else now. And you can't compare yourself to the old friend yeah. or the old Mel like that's. And that's so hard because it's that's also very. In a way, kind of superficial, it's it's the outward part of us or. um I don't know. It's it, you just got to let it go. And I just, I don't, I'm not doing well some days. I'm just like, um, I, I miss the old energetic and in even traveling, I'm like, part of me, I, I've gone on a few trips. Maybe it's because I'm writing this book, but I just, I'm like, oh, I can't work up the energy to plan all these stuff, to, even then not knowing where I'm going to sleep, I need a good sleep. So I don't want to be sleeping on like, a, a, you know, a flea infested bed in Thailand anymore. <laughs> I could do that. Where are my fresh linens already? Oh, my Egyptian <laughs> cotton. <laughs> There's some things exactly. that are more important. 
And even, even I wrote, I started writing a journal, which I haven't done since I was a kid. And I said, you know, one thing I want is in the next few 10 years, I want a home. I've never actually said that out loud, but I'm like, I want a cozy one province. <laughs> None of this running around. I want, I'm ready for one home. And I used to think that was like, you know, that, oh, I, I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to, I want to be that gypsy. I want to, you know, that's who I am. Then I'm like, well, why is it such a big deal to admit that now I want this? You know, uh, you got to let grow of certain ideas of yourself. Yeah, you outgrow them. It's it's an evolution, right? But the thing is, to backtrack a little bit, I mean, in terms of the grieving and the loss and the death, I mean, what's so hard, Mel, is we don't live in a culture of, of cronehood anymore, Cronehood isn't a thing anymore. Uh, women who are past 50 for a long time now are like, bye-bye. Who are you? You're pointless. We don't need you anymore. So because we we don't live in, in the spirit of cronehood, and, and that's for our generation to start. And I think we are starting it. We are starting about what it means to be in our 50s. We are starting to create a space for that to happen. And I think that's critical for the yep. women who are younger than us to not go, oh, I'm fucked once I reach this age. What happens to me now? I'm a, you know, I don't have any purpose anymore. We are, we are the generation to create purpose for the generations to come to create meaning to create we are still creative beings we are still connected to one another we are still the backbone of our communities we can celebrate that we are still fucking sexy we are still hot we still have purpose you know so i think that that that's slowly coming back because women are starting to go wait a minute no i'm not going to be rendered useless i'm not going to be seen as oh well you're old now well you're not sexy now well you're not a viable baby carrier now like so whatever dismissed and i think women are going no no not dismissed no not no that that time is ending we are still very viable and vibrant beings on the planet that need us that need our wisdom that need our stories that need to hear like listen yes this is a transformation this is a metamorphosis creating that energy and like this podcast that you're doing and what your friend was doing with her facebook page those are beautiful and necessary things beautiful and necessary yeah 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 and i love having the conversations because even at the more that part about cronehood that you just said Again, the more that someone else says it as a woman, you you feel more validated. You feel like, oh, I'm not alone in thinking that, you know. Um, I, there was a clip, Sharon Stone, um, you know, she hasn't been making movies for 20 years. And so <clears throat> she came on and she said, well, I had a heart attack. I had a heart attack fucking, tw- yeah, 20 years ago. And she said, I almost died. And here's the media creating this, oh, she just dropped out. You know, she was older, so she dropped out, thinking that's why I dropped out. No, I fucking had a heart attack. Like, 
where's the you know where's the humanity in that like are we not allowed you know and even actresses like uh Catherine oh who's the real hottie she was in body heat William Hurt Kathleen Turner she had the raspy beautiful voice she was in romancing the stone with that shithead Michael Douglas who oh I don't even get into him he was awful anyway she was beautiful and then I'm not sure what happened physically. She, she, she contracted something and then she pulled out from Hollywood and she was vilified for her body changing her body changed because of a disease or something that she had. And all of a sudden, fuck, Oh, she's useless. Where'd she go? What happened to her? And it's, you're right. We're not being put away into the barns anymore. Um, and you are right. There's there is a there's something in the zeitgeist that is saying, I'm not done. It makes me think of um, the woman that uh, owns the Wild Bettys. Our wonderful leader Melinda is sixty fucking years old, and she did a race last year that was three days of a mountain bike stage race and came through. You know it doesn't mean you've got the the pedal assist on the whole time she finished every single day of this race through the mud and and she's still doing it she lives on a farm by herself she built a chicken coop she builds pump track for you know she's fine she's fine you know and again she's she's the change you know 60 is the new 40 or the whatever you want to say it's um, and I'm also excited by, is it, if you don't follow her, Isabella Rossellini. Oh my God. She's adorable. She hasn't had any work and she's, she's on her Instagram, you know, talking about her puppies, talking about her life and it, it's beautiful. And she wrote an article about age and she said, you know, it's got to be more than just how we looked. We're not going to be remembered for how we looked. It's what we do. And she said, she's like, I'm embracing this change because it's more meaningful. She said this second half than the first half. It's a lot more meaningful. It's a little bit harder because you have to, you have to push against that old person or the, the younger version of you. But she's like, it's it's more cerebral and she said my intelligence is going to replace that superficiality i had that intelligence is what will get me through and i i really believe that that um yeah like slowing down creating things aligning yourself with these other women in your community you know they are the changers you know not letting us yeah. disappear Yes. Yeah. Well, Freddie, I think for the podcast portion, <laughs> we have covered a lot of bases. We sure did. And it's um every single one of them, there's such again, you know, I love speaking with you because you think about these things. As an artist, you know, the first time I met you in a coffee shop that turned from coffee to wine, <laughs> it was like it is yeah. it, it's exciting it's exciting and it's um it's reminding ourselves that it can be something different you know and we need each other we need each other's voices to keep reminding yeah. ourselves of that because the pressure yeah. out there it is immense 
it is immense. We can be buried by it. Like it's that intense, right? Of uh, you're not worthy. You're no longer this. You're no longer that. You no longer have libido. You no longer, you know, it is very, very aggressive. So that's why our need for yeah. each other to bolster each other is uh, so, so needed at this point, right? Because um, I too, I, I feel a ton of it. I, know. I feel a ton of loser energy about myself and then I have to go wait stop that thinking you are a beautiful 52 year old intelligent woman you got this and and we do have it thank you for the awesome chat and it's good because I only have three percent left on my computer thanks for listening to another episode of the sexy times if you have a story a funny or adventurous sexy time you'd like to share you can send it to the Sexy Times Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us at the Sexy Times Podcast on Instagram. And for show notes, book recommendations, and resources, visit our website at thesexytimes.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast.